Welcome. I'm Hala Abdel Noor, the presenter of Facilitate This, the Group Work Center podcast where we talk with facilitators about their craft with a focus on a different topic each episode. Facilitate This is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and goes out to listeners on the lands of First Nations people across Australia and beyond. Status often dictates our ability to influence decisions. If we're marginalised, we may feel this acutely. But when we're privileged, we often don't see it. It's a blind spot. Jim talks to facilitator at the Group Work Centre, Nancy Nunez, about the complexity of diversity, rank and power and what we can do to achieve greater equity in the groups we work with. Nancy, those three words are very weighty. These are big concepts. And as a facilitator, it's so important for us to understand how they play out in groups, isn't it? Can we start with some definitions? Like what's the difference, for example, between power and rank and how does diversity play into all this? Great question, Jim. Great question. I guess, look, before we even get into that, I'd like to start us off with the acknowledgement that power, rank and diversity are always going to be part of group dynamics, no matter where we are or who we're with, they're always going to be present. So it's really important for us to have an understanding of what they mean, how we feel about it and how they might play out so that we can intervene when necessary. So let's start off with power. Power, we talk about power as, in terms of a definition as being the ability to influence people's behaviour and outcomes. And you mentioned, well, how are they all linked? So if we think about diversity being the state of difference, anything that makes us difference is diversity. If we start from that point of view, when you have a room with more than two people, there's always going to be diversity in mm. there. People tend to think of diversity in terms of the obvious things that we can see, things like ethnicity or skin colour mm. or gender or age or, or those kind of things. But really when we talk about diversity, is it's about in any way that we are different to each other. So, of course, that's always going to be there and existing. Our diversity has a lot to do with the rank that we accumulate through life and in various situations. And rank can be seen, we like to talk about it in terms of chips that we collect that give us power. So, for example, we tend to look at rank in terms of personal rank, and that may be connected to your appearance, to your gender, to your sexual orientation, to who you are, I guess, physically as a person more so. We then have things like political rank, which looks at where you sit in relation to mainstream, what's your income, what's your educational level, those kind of things. And then we have spiritual rank, which is about your levels of emotional resilience or how Mm. self-aware you are or, you know, how easy you can hold on to your beliefs and how strong your convictions are. All those things give you rank chips depending on diversity impacts the rank and then the rank impacts the level of power. They flow in to each other. They do flow. And it's interesting because rank, for example, varies and is a fluid thing. As a person of colour, I may have certain rank in certain situations. I may have very high rank but very low rank at another. So it's very much a fluid thing. So 
You mentioned before at how weighty these things are, and they really are weighty, particularly when we think about ourselves as facilitators. There is always going to be power dynamics in mm. the groups that we work with, and if we are not conscious about that, we're going to miss things, and we're not going to be able to equalize power, which is what our job is as facilitators. This is really getting to the crux of it, isn't yeah. it? Equalizing power. It's almost a revolutionary concept. How do we manage that whole dynamic, that shift when you're working in a group collaboratively? Really great question. And I think the key word is collaboration. Yeah, If you're wanting real collaboration to take place, we need to ensure that we hear from everybody not just those who hold rank and power. And this is why it's important for us as facilitators. There's so many levels to this, Jim, because I think it's really important for us not to just be aware of power as it happens in terms of the dynamics of the group in front of us, but in relation to ourselves. Mm. How is it that we feel about power? How comfortable or un uncomfortable are we with power? And the realisation that as facilitators, we do hold a lot of power when we are facilitating. So for me, that's a starting point in terms of being aware of that and how I can ensure that through being aware of that, I can equalise power as much as I can in a room. Does it start with yourself? For me, it does. Great. Yeah, it does for me. It's, it's going into a room knowing that, that people will look at me in a particular way and that I do hold some power. So from the very beginning of a session, you know, one of the things that's really important to equalise power, in my opinion, is to ensure people understand your role. So explaining your role, this is what I'll be doing, but then seek permission to be able to do that job. That's already a step in equalising power because it's not about you calling all the shots as a facilitator. Another thing that's important to consider too at the beginning when you're setting up all your foundations as a facilitator is in the um, parts where you do agreement is mm. to use that opportunity to bring the issue of rank, power and diversity into a room. More often than not, people don't bring it up. So as a facilitator, you can say something as simple as, do we need to do or say anything about rank and power in the room today? Um, and that often creates a, an interesting conversation about what people want to do or not do about it. But at the very least, we have brought it into the room and it's no longer an invisible thing. It's in our conscious minds. Absolutely. So, and that concept's really important with power because once we name it, we bring that force, that weight, that authority that yeah. they have into people's consciousness and yeah. that changes, doesn't it? changes the dynamics slightly. It really does. And it, it's an interesting point you bring because often it, it's said, and, and, and we can certainly see it, is that those that tend to hold higher rank tend to hold it often. So it's just the way it is for them. They're not even aware that they have it. Um, more often than not, those of us who have had the experience of feeling powerless or with less rank, we can feel that and therefore have more sense of who has power and who hasn't. But if you have always had it, that's just the way it is for you. So just say you're in a work team mm -hmm. and maybe you're doing some troubleshooting, some sorting out some difficulty as a facilitator with that work team. And there is a dynamic where a manager, a supervisor, someone with rank and power has traditionally called the shots. And it's clearly not working. It's created tension. What happens then when that person that's named and they're in that group, what are some of the reactions that you've seen? Often people can just withdraw because this is what always happens and what's the point. And so, you know, if you're noticing a lot of withdrawn 
people, then chances are that it hasn't landed well. And I think the other thing too is that people may kind of react in a way where they're trying. I've seen it happen in a number of ways. Either people withdraw, either people agree because it's the boss, or Mm. people kind of get really reactive and try and fight it. But from a a child, child parent kind of mode. Acting out that kind of role that they're used to in their own families and growing up. Absolutely. So we we start getting into role theory there Mm. about, well, if you're going to be the strong dad, I'm going to be the rebellious child kind of thing. I think in situations like that, you know, if we're able to see the dynamics that are carrying on, I, I often think of our role as facilitators as being the mirror to put you know, a mirror in front of people Mm. in terms of what's happening, in terms of either your own behaviour or the dynamics of a room. So in a situation like that, it would almost be about pausing for a moment and just looking at the situation. Did you notice that when you did this or said this, it had an impact and opening up the space for people to to come in and have a chat about it? And that's noticing and naming is one of our skills in our micro skills in our kit bag, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It can open up people's minds and hearts, yeah? And that's the beauty of it because there's no judgment in mm. it. This is the thing. More often than not, people are not even aware that they're doing yep. these things, yet. Yeah? So if we're able to pause a situation, to to notice and name it and provide a space for people to bring in their experience to it, you know, suddenly the person who made the comment is hearing how that landed on someone. Exactly. There are hot-button issues in a lot of groups that I work with and no doubt that you do too Around some of these identity issues, how do we manage those as an issue when people become passionate about either marginalisation or a particular issue that's important to them? Look, I think at the core of all this stuff is that we all have the need to belong. As when we are part of a group or, or working in a group, we all have this need to belong But we want to be acknowledged for who we are. We want to be seen and we want to be heard. And so when you have situations like that, I think the key thing is about looking at how are we being as inclusive as we can possibly be, knowing that, you know, I may not understand the experience of someone who has a disability and they may not know the experience of being a person of colour. But within that is acknowledging that all those experiences have some valuable contribution to be made to the work that we're doing. So telling that story, hearing that perspective Mm. opens people up to be those that are telling the story to be heard and those that are hearing it to understand the power of listening to other perspectives. Absolutely. And I think with that goes this idea that, you know, as facilitators, I see one of our biggest roles is about embracing that diversity and getting people to understand that the magic happens when Mm. there is diversity. What is this magic? What happens in a group where there's acceptance of, oh, we do have a range of views? We need to really nut this through before we can make a decision on a major program or whatever it is. What happens when you start to feel that magic? What shifts in the group? I think there's a couple of things. When I say magic, I think of things like safety. I think Mm. things like um, connection. I think of things like risk-taking. The more that we can be who we are in terms of embracing all of the things that make us diverse, but also connected to that is this idea, the more that I can stand in my own power, I can take more risks. I can listen more deeply. I can put my ideas forward, I can make mistakes and own them. 
So if we create environments for that, how can the magic not happen? <laughs> Beautiful. You know, we sit in circles in group work and we get rid of tables and we do all of these things trying to set up a space that allows some magic into the room, yeah. that allows people to be heard, that allows people to take risks and allows people to participate. Because how often have we seen in any hierarchical organization where if your view isn't welcome, you simply don't contribute, you don't say anything, you're Absolutely. silent. Absolutely. And, and that's such a great point there because, again, as facilitators, one of our many jobs, I think, is about creating space for difference, not mm. only creating space but inviting it into the room in a situation where you can see that, you know, 90% of the room is going for idea A and really excited about it is to acknowledge that but also to does anybody think something completely different, yeah? Is there anything that needs to be said that hasn't been said yet? So really kind of making it okay for people to think differently or to disagree or to bring something completely different into it. It really does shift the dynamic once you open it up because there's not only an invitation for people to contribute who may not have otherwise done so, there's also a letting go yes. on the part of people who are used to dominating the airspace. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that's equally important. So in terms of dominating airspace, again, that is very tied in with rank and power, isn't mm. it? Because those people who have rank and power, again, tend to dominate those spaces, often without even being aware of it. You know, I've met people who, who have structural rank because they have a title and who almost feel like it's their job to be the first one to speak or to say something every time an opinion is asked. So I think as a facilitator, when we have situations like that, again, going back to the mirror situation, you know, I've noticed that that we've heard quite a bit from you and thank you for your contributions. I'm really keen to hear also from people we haven't mm. yet heard from. So I see that a lot is a lot about creating spaces for people. And, you know, in, in our designs and in, in how we facilitate is about what are we doing to ensure that we don't just hear from the loud voices in the room? And we say at Group Work that the wisdom is in the group. And I think that what we find is when we're looking for the wisdom everywhere and not just from certain people, yeah. it comes. Absolutely, it comes. And it's it's often if we have done a good job and created those spaces and opportunities for people to participate. And not everyone's going to be comfortable talking in front of a, a large group, so ensuring that people can speak in pairs or smaller groups or opportunities to contribute in writing or whatever, which way. But it, we can only get the best of any situation by hearing from everybody or as, certainly as many people in the room as possible. We often are trying really hard to, to make things better or to improve things. But if we're not, everything boils down to that, that idea of self-awareness as an individual and as an organisation, yeah? Because if we're not aware as an organisation that we are trying to do this, but in focusing purely on that, there's a whole heap of blind spots that we have that we haven't even considered mm. because we're not thinking about those things. This issue of blind spots comes up quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And in our training, it's really important for us as facilitators that we look at our own. Absolutely. And when, when we do, we find some stuff that we're not always clear on or that takes a while to process. And it's really interesting because something as simple, well, not that power is simple, but if you take power, often we work with groups who are working really hard to equalise 
power for the clients that they work with or the people that they provide service to, but haven't stopped to consider how they do power in their own organizations with each other mm. or how they feel about power as individuals. Mm. So it is about start with yourself first, you know, as a, an individual or as an organization and then look out to the world. Who's driving my bus? We throw light on why we regard self-awareness of our triggers and inner dialogue as a keystone of our work. So many moons ago, I went into an organisation to do some training and when we were at the very beginnings of checking in, there was a lot of comments made about there being issues of racism, structural racism in the organisation. So there was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of very strong comments and emotions coming out. So I knew that whatever we had gone into, the, the agenda was just going to be thrown out the window because we were in a different situation. So there were many comments made about who should speak and who shouldn't speak in the room. And there was a lot of internal activity for me and my community of selves and, and as a person of colour myself, I felt very much related to what some of the people of colour in the room were saying, having gone through very similar experiences myself. So there was a, a justice warrior within me going, yes, we must hear from the brown people and the black people in the room. And, and I became quite conflicted because I wanted to be useful as a facilitator, my social warrior was very much driving the bus of wanting to make this right because people had had been suffering. I had to do a lot of internal work and find that wise part of me because I knew that if I was going to be of service to the group as a facilitator, I needed to be there at the service of every single person in there, both the people of colour who had experienced really awful things and the white people in the room who had said and done awful things. So for me that was really hard. It was a lot of hard work because my justice warrior was really wanting to just get in there and um, create justice for the people of colour. So as I said, I, I had to do a lot of work to try and tap into that wise part of me to actually do a good job and be there for everybody, not just the people of colour. It's the last thing and it's maybe not a bad thing to end on. Thanks yes, so much, Nancy, for talking to My us today. My pleasure, Tim. Thank you. Facilitate This is produced for the Group Work Centre by interviewer and showrunner Jim Buckle, audio engineer Lloyd Richards, consulting producer Justine McSweeney, supervising producer Mark Spencer, and myself, Hala Abdelnour. We welcome your feedback via email at podcast at groupwork.com.au. For details on our courses and services, visit our website, groupwork.com.au.